today, I think it's very important to share with you where we're headed as a church and where to look for biblical precedent for the future and what God has called us to do. And that's what we're going to be studying today. And so in Exodus chapter 35, we're going to read verses 4 through 19. We'll pray and then we'll get into our study of the following sections of verses. And it says in verse 4 of Exodus 35 that Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. This is after they had been led out of the land of Egypt. They had crossed over the Red Sea. They were now following Moses in the wilderness. And it says, this is the thing which the Lord commanded saying in verse five, take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, ram skin, dyed red, badger skin and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. In verse 9, onyx and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets. The ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering. If you have not yet picked up on what is being described here. This is describing what is going to be the tabernacle of worship for the Lord. In verse 13, the table and its poles, all its utensils and the showbread, also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps and the oil for the light, the incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle. And in verses 16 through 19, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles, all of its utensils, and the laver and its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court and their cords, the garments of the ministry for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you have brought us here together to worship you and to study your word. And Lord, I thank you for the relationships that have been formed here at this church where we see a growing family, where we're able to grow in our relationship with you and with each other as, Lord, this church by your design has, first of all, been established that we might connect with you and then connect with those that are around us, Lord. We know that we're not meant to be isolated. We're not meant to live this life alone. But what a great, great blessing we have in your church, Lord, where we can gather together as a family. And in the thick and in the thin, the good and in the bad, Lord, we can encourage one another and rejoice with one another. And Lord, we even weep with one another. We're sorrowful, Lord. We empathize and we comfort in the time of need. And Lord, I pray now that as we look to these two examples of different groups of people and how they responded to the worship of you, Lord, as they responded 
in the preparation for the house of the Lord to be built, we ask, God, that you would stir up our hearts. And we ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would say. And I ask these things, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. In Exodus 35, now, as Moses gives this command from the Lord, as they're preparing for the tabernacle to be built, their place of worship, as you know, in our own church's history, we announced a few weeks ago that for the first time in the nine years that we've been here, we will actually be having our own church building, a place of worship. And this is so appropriate today for us to look at the biblical precedent for what we are going to be stepping into as a church. And it's so exciting. What a great privilege to be able to be a part of this journey together. And if you would please look at verse 20 as Moses has now shared the people now here and we'll see how they respond. And in verse 20 of Exodus 35, it says, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And then everyone came, verse 21, whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all of its service, and for the holy garments. Now Moses, it pretty much goes without saying, he was a great leader. And if you've ever read the story of Moses, he had a lot of interesting phases in his life, from being born as a son of a slave in the land of Egypt, being put upon the Nile River, being found by the royal family, raised as a prince of Egypt, only to discover later on that he was a part of the people of God. He was exiled from Egypt, and as he was in the wilderness, he met face to face with God. That voice, that burning bush that was not consumed, telling him, I am that I am, and I have called you to go back to Egypt and to lead my people out of there. And we see him going back to Egypt, confronting Pharaoh, initiating the plagues, speaking on behalf, acting on behalf, along with his brother Aaron. Pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, guided Moses and the people of Israel. They crossed over to the Red Sea. And now he is in this place of leading the people for the first ever house of worship to be built. Moses' life was definitely an interesting one. But one of the responsibilities that he had in this particular stage was the building of the tabernacle of the Lord that would travel with the people wherever they went. As they conquered the promised land, they would bring with them their place of worship. If you remember in Moses' discourse with Pharaoh, Moses said that the people of Israel should be freed. Let my people go that they might go into the wilderness and sacrifice and worship the Lord. And so now you fast forward to the time that had now come. They were in the wilderness. They were there to now establish a place of worship to the Lord as God had commanded them to do so. And what a momentous occasion it was. The people of Israel, really this was the culmination of the promises of the Lord and the power of the Lord to bring his people to a place where they would see his promise fulfilled. You know, often we'll see the Lord's promise or we'll read of it or we'll believe we received a promise from the Lord. And sometimes that promise tarries. Sometimes we don't see it immediately. 
And what a special thing it is when you have prayed for something for years and years and years to see it come to fruition, where the Lord answers your prayer in his perfect timing. I wonder if the people of Israel thought, is this really happening? After all that we've been through, after all that we've endured, after all that we've even questioned, if God was going to be faithful, if he was going to provide for us, can you believe that now the time has come? There were so many other occasions that the people of Israel were finding themselves in that were a cause for thanksgiving to be given to the Lord. And here they would now be in the position to participate in the great work of the Lord's tabernacle. So after what we read of Moses in verses 4 through 19, it says that the people of Israel departed and they left the presence of Moses. I want you to notice here in verse 20 that Moses did not pressure the people any bit whatsoever. There were no pressure tactics. They weren't being, you know, pushed into making hasty decisions, desperate decisions regarding their contribution to the work of the Lord. I mean, so often today there are pressure tactics that are used to coerce people to make decisions that they really don't want to make. You know, when you go to purchase a car, you've experienced something like that. Or if there's strong sales, you know, where you're getting a commission and there's just like, hey, can I close this deal now? You know, you've experienced that type of thing. And you can also find that in churches as well, where somebody on stage will pressure the people, push them into making decisions, guilt trip them so that they feel a certain way that they just have to do something, you know, and it's absolutely wrong. And you'll see in church where, you know, they'll give you, you know, the, these explanations that, you know, God's going out of business unless you contribute. And, or, you know, if you contribute, then we'll send you some, you know, magic handkerchief or whatever it might be. But everyone needs to purpose in their own heart what they feel God is calling them to do. And when the follower of Jesus... When the followers, all of us, of Jesus determine in our own hearts what we should be doing to serve the Lord, there is such a sweet blessing for all who are involved. In verse 21, you read, Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all of its service, and for the holy garments. Now, you probably didn't pick up on this because I missed, maybe you did, I missed it on my first go. The first action that you see here of the people of Israel after Moses said, hey, God's calling us to do this great work. He has called us to build a house for him that we might worship. The first action that you see is actually one that is not written. It's not recorded here. The first action is actually one of inaction. For not all who heard Moses... Not all who heard the call answered the call. Even though Moses shared the command, Moses shared the vision, there were many that did not show up. They did not contribute to the work of the Lord. And how do we know this to be true? We'll say, hey, it's not written there. Well, 
we read that everyone came and there was a stipulation. There was something that differentiated between those that were there and those that were not there. And it says that everyone came whose heart was stirred and whose spirit was willing. Meaning that in all of that congregation, that there were those who were not stirred up and those who had a spirit that was not willing to be involved. Only those who had a heart that was willing and only those that had a spirit that wanted to contribute, they showed up. And this is actually, believe it or not, the fact that those that did not have a heart to serve and they were not willing did not show up this was actually a really good thing. Those that had a heart that was willing, those that had a heart's desire to serve, and they showed up, that was actually a very good thing. It's a very good thing. It's a very good thing for the body of Christ. When those that don't want to be there, don't want to contribute, don't show up, and those that are stirred in their hearts and want to be involved do show up. See, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And there are a lot of things that are not good that come from giving of ourselves grudgingly. And when we give of ourselves grudgingly, it will always bring about a negative influence upon those that are around us. Because sooner or later, we will share our attitude or vocal, you know, we're vocal about it, that we just don't want to be there. This is a huge inconvenience. I can't believe that I'm actually wasting my time. I never wanted to do this to begin with. I can't believe I got my arm twisted or I was pushed or guilt-tripped into doing this. There are a lot of things that we see in our life that if I'm doing what God has called me to do and I'm helping somebody all the while griping and complaining about why I have to do it or I wish I wasn't there, that people just pick up on it and that's not a good representation of Jesus Christ. So that's why, and I hope that you'll understand what I'm saying very, very simply, and I hope that I'm very clear. You purpose in your heart and you do what God has called you to do with a good attitude. And instead of saying, you know, well, you know, I guess God's probably not interested in me doing this because I'm just going to have a bad attitude about it. And God would rather me not do it if I'm doing it grudgingly. Well, how about just have a good attitude about it and ask the Lord to help your heart and then do what's right with good motivation. Have a good attitude while doing what's right. And guess what? If you go into something as an act of service to the Lord or to help someone or to contribute to somebody with joy in your heart, you will find that you will be a cheerful blessing to all who come in contact with you. You will bless those that are around you. It's contagious, the joy that comes from giving and serving and working hard and contributing and having some skin in the game, having ownership, saying this is a part of my family and my church and my ministry. This is what I want to do to be busy about my father's business. And you'll find that the Lord will do a great work. Your heart can be stirred by what's being said. 
Your heart can be stirred by the Lord. But your spirit can also be unwilling to act. You have the freedom to choose. And you should choose. And it should be a decision that you make. But the dynamic duo, if you will, is a heart that is stirred and a spirit that is willing. Those two things coupled together bring much good in this world. Much fruit of the spirit. Great work for the Lord. I'll say it again. A heart that is stirred by the Lord and a spirit that is willing to be involved. And those that had that winning combination brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting and for all of its service. In verse 22, it says, they came, both men and women, as many as had, and there you see it again, a willing heart and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces. I mean, for some of you young people that might have some nose rings today, you can offer them to the Lord and your parents will be very happy, I'm sure. Every man made an offering of gold, it says, to the Lord. Verse 23, every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, red skins of rams and badger skins, they brought them. Verse 24, everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering and everyone with whom was found Akasha wood for any work of the service brought it. And what you're seeing here as we read this, we're reading of those with a willing heart brought what they purposed in their own hearts to give unto the Lord. This is the best case scenario. We firmly believe as a church family, this is the best way. This is the best way. There is biblical precedent for what we have determined is the best way to contribute to the work of the Lord. And there were those that were wealthy that we read. There were those that had very little. But in God's economy, all have a place to contribute to the work of the Lord. You just read it yourself. It can be from gold and silver to goat's hair and badger skin. Everyone in the church, the body of Christ, the people of God are needed. Everyone can contribute. In Ephesians 4.16, in the New Living Translation, to make this point, Paul writes that God makes the whole body, this body of Christ, fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the definition of a healthy church. Everyone doing what they can do. And when everyone is doing what they can do, it encourages others to do what they can do. And when we're doing it because our hearts have been stirred and our spirit is willing, it brings a benefit to all who are involved. There are many with willing hearts, many with spirits that are stirred up by the Lord, but they need some direction in how to help meet those needs. You know, I, I personally think I have one of the most exciting opportunities in the entire world to be involved with the work of the ministry, to pastor a church, to minister to God's people. 
because I have some of the craziest stories that you will ever hear in your entire life as I see the Lord doing just phenomenal things all the time. Often I've seen how the the Lord will lay it upon a person's heart to give, not knowing the specific need. And their act of obedience to the stirring of the Lord blesses someone else in need. I'll never forget the first time I saw this or experienced this phenomena was when I was a young pastor at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa in 2005. I remember just being brand new and this, as this young new pastor. And this person came up to me and they handed me a huge wad full of cash and they said, I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord has told me that somebody's in need of some financial help and I want you to do something about it. Within five minutes, no joke, not knowing who this person was, a man walks up to me for prayer and he starts to ask me for prayer over his financial needs. He said, I'm having a hard time paying these bills. I don't know what I'm to do. Would you please pray for me? And so I prayed for him, and then that same wad that the guy just handed, I took out of my pocket, and I put it in his hand. And I said, some person just came up to me and said that there's somebody that needs help financially, and I want to bless them. The Lord put it on my heart. I don't know how much this will help them, but this is what I want to do. I saw that man's eyes bug out of his head. I don't think he ever had seen a quicker answer to prayer in his entire life. This is the Lord that we serve. This is the God who allows his people to contribute, to be involved. He stirs your heart, but then you have to come and say, Lord, I'm willing to be led by your Holy Spirit. I'm willing to be involved, to take that step of faith, to contribute to whatever it is that you're calling your people to do. What was interesting is that as that man left, I thought, oh, God is so true to his word. Matthew chapter six, verse eight, Jesus said, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask of him. So before that man ever prayed with me that day, the father in heaven knew the need that he had, put it on somebody's heart that was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he came over and said, I'm gonna provide for this man's needs before he even prays that I provide for his needs. And so here we see, The people of God banding together to give what they uniquely have as the Lord stirred their hearts and as their spirit was willing. This is such a great model to follow after. All the women, verse 25, who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and they brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose, again, in verse 26, whose hearts stirred. It says, with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And spices and oil for the light, for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The Lord provided the resources and gifted those who served with the ability to do something with them. We read of these women here taking the materials that were given and then crafting these beautiful pieces. Those that gave of their precious stones gave not realizing that those stones would go upon the breastplate and the ephod of the priest as he would minister to the Lord, as he would minister 
to the people. They had no idea that their contribution would be used in such a very special way. The same oil that we read here that was given to illuminate the tabernacle of the Lord for those at night to worship the Lord would also be used to anoint those who were in need of a touch from the Lord as they would be anointed and as they would be prayed over. And it says in verse 29 that the people or the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done. This free will offering that the people brought, it's important for you to note that it was not for Moses. It was not even for the nation of Israel. It was for the Lord. Their motivation to participate in the work of the Lord was solely to give to the Lord, to give to him. And they gave willingly because their hearts were willing. God commanded for the work to be done. And when God shows us what needs to be done, we pray that as a church, we be willing to rise to the occasion. Lord, the work is great. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. How can I be involved? You know, hundreds of years later, if you have your Bibles, would you please turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 29? Hundreds of years later, after what we have read here in Exodus 35, when Solomon's temple would be built, replacing the tabernacle that was just about to be built in Exodus 35, King David said this, as King David was not permitted by the Lord to build the temple, he did everything that he could to prepare for his son Solomon to build it. And this is what David said in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, his God, personal, my relationship with the Lord, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold and the gold of Ophir, and I have 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver, and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen." Who then is willing, he asks, to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? And then the leaders and the fathers of the houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, this is verse six, the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the officers over the king's work offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people, it says, rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Now, when you read that, it's like, wow, what a place that temple must have been. What a beautiful, beautiful place for the Lord to meet with his people. But it's important to note God doesn't need any earthly possession from us. 
He doesn't need gold or silver. He doesn't need iron or wood. He doesn't need one single thing. He created it. The earth and everything that is in it belongs to him. So God does not need you or what you own. But what he says in his word and what we see time and time again is that he delights when his children delight in him. He's concerned with our hearts that we would be giving of ourselves, that we would go past that which would be considered an inconvenience, that we would give to the Lord because we want to. So does God need it? No. He created it. Gold is asphalt in heaven, so to speak. It has no value to the Lord. But the most valuable thing is your heart that is right with him. That's what God is concerned with. And there was great rejoicing. Why was there great rejoicing here? Well, it says <laughs> that there was great rejoicing because they gave willingly. It's one thing to be forced or it's one thing, oh, this is a decree, all of you are gonna be taxed and that's it, no questions asked. No, the people rejoiced because they said, this is the house of the Lord. I desire to do this. And there is great rejoicing when we willingly, with a loyal heart to the Lord, offer what we have in service to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We read that the people rejoiced that they actually gave willingly. I find that somewhat humorous. And maybe that's just me. You know, if you were a person that was not accustomed to giving of yourself, and every time that you did, you know, your nose was really out of joint for the whole time. But then all of a sudden, you gave willingly, and you're like, why do I want to give of myself? And then that causes you to rejoice because you're like, maybe God's doing a work in my life. I'm actually wanting to do something that I previously didn't want to do. I gave of myself cheerfully. Wow, thank you, God. And the people rejoiced. And we just say only God can do that type of work in somebody's heart where he'll make you willing. He'll allow you to be stirred up by his spirit in order to cheerfully and self-sacrificially give for others and give unto the Lord. And what a special occasion to do so for the building of the temple. And back in Exodus chapter 35, as uh, we're playing a little hopscotch here, it says in verse 30, and Moses said to the children of Israel, see, the Lord is called by name Bezalel. This is Exodus 35, verse 31. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of works, workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. This is one of the most fascinating verses in all the Bible. I don't know if you've realized that or not. What an interesting and exciting passage of scripture to read how the Lord not only calls people to be involved, to contribute, but he gifts them with the ability to carry out what God has called them to do, what he's called them to do. God filled this man, Bezalel, 
with his Holy Spirit, gave him wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in all manner of work, workmanship. I mean, this guy must have been the real deal. You know, I think of our church, the many that God has called and gifted to be able to do special work. All you moms, dads, engineers, Doctors, nurses, therapists, teachers, electricians, general contractors, lighting specialists, acoustic engineers, sound engineers, chefs, video specialists, financial advisors, real estate brokers, plumbers, graphic designers, air conditioning techs, truck drivers, event planners. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Those of you that are so creative and talented and you have willing hearts that are stirred up by the Lord. What a great skill set. God has called you. God has gifted you. And as Bezalel received from the Lord, may you also seek the wisdom that comes from above in your trade, in your profession, and in your calling as a follower of Jesus. And in verse 34, we read, and he has put in his heart the ability to teach. So not only was he a gifted man, he could teach others that skill as well. Discipleship, training. It says, and in him and Ohaliab, the son of Ahishmach, the tribe of Dan. You know who this man is. Uh, they spell it out very clearly. It says he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, for the first time in the history of the nation of Israel, you see that God is now gifting those that are skilled with very specific gifts. Interesting. And if you look now to the next chapter, Exodus 36, Bezalel and Oholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all the Lord has commanded. In verse two, then Moses called Bezalel and Holiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom and then looked there again, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. And so they continued bringing to him freewill offerings every morning. In verse four, then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. Now listen to this. This absolutely blew me away. Verse five, it says, and they spoke to Moses saying, those that were doing the work, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave commandment, it says in verse six, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And it says, and the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, it was too much. I mean, if there was ever a group of people that would epitomize a cheerful giver, it would be these. I mean, Moses shared what was going to happen on behalf of the Lord. That was it. 
You don't read of any pressure. You don't read of any arm bars and chokes. You don't read of any guilt trips. He just said, hey, this is what the Lord's called us to do. This is what's going to happen. The people left and those whose hearts were stirred and whose spirit was willing, they were the ones that showed up. They contributed to the work of the tabernacle. They contributed so much that they had to tell them, stop giving, please, please. We will naturally give when it's convenient for us, but we supernaturally give when it's inconvenient. As a church, where we're headed in the future as we are just beginning, as we have been given an open door by the Lord which no man can shut, a tremendous gift, a tremendous responsibility. I really believe that the Lord is going to shift the paradigm of this church as a whole, collectively and individually, in how we view our relationship with the Lord and how we carry out what he has called us to do. You will never be pressured. We will never beat a drum. You know, we used to joke around about, you know, when we would pass the offering plate that if you didn't put anything in, we'd just tap you two times on the shoulder until you did. Never will that ever happen. You decide what God's calling you to do. You purpose in your heart whether you carry out what God's asked you to carry out. You determine, you talk about it, you pray about it, you seek the Lord. And then if you show up with a willing heart, with a willing spirit, because the Lord stirred you up and you're being obedient, then that's the right attitude. That's what you want. Because I don't know upon reading this of any other time in history recorded in the Bible or a story of any church where they had to tell the people, please, we beg of you, can you please stop giving towards the work of the Lord? Please. It's usually the other way around. Every single moment, nonstop. And then as we conclude our study this morning, which I hope will just be a well-rounded precedent for where we're at as a church. And back in 1 Chronicles 29, we close with a psalm from King David. In 1 Chronicles 29, we're going to read verses 10 through 14, and this is where we'll conclude today. Therefore, David, as David led the way and as the people responded cheerfully and willingly, it says they're Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said this. It's so fascinating reading of a psalm that is not in the Psalms. Blessed are you, Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty, 
For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. Your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, O God, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And listen to this in verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given to you. David himself. Everything that we have belongs to the Lord. Everything that we own, God has provided. God does not need it. He's not concerned with it. Like I said, it has no value in the kingdom of heaven. What is valuable in the sight of the Lord is a heart that is willing to give. A spirit that submits to the direction of the Holy Spirit who not is just a hearer, but a doer also. And this can manifest itself in so many different ways. So many different ways. I truly believe that this is pleasing to the Lord. When we use our gifts, our talents, the things that the Lord has provided for us for his glory, however that may look, that's pleasing in his sight. This is something that not only brings great joy to us as we give, as it's more blessed, Jesus said, to give than to receive, but it blesses everyone that's around us. May we be those people that don't just give of ourselves when it's convenient, but especially when it's inconvenient that we contribute to the work of the Lord because the Lord has stirred our hearts. Not because somebody forced us into it. Because this comes down to our personal relationship with Jesus. We can be pressured into it and we'll resent it. But if the Lord touches our heart and we act upon that, we will never regret it. You will be blessed and the Lord will be pleased. And that duo of a stirred heart and a willing spirit, may it be found in each of us today. And maybe if we've gone without one of those or both of those for some time, maybe it would cause us to come to a place today where we see the probably two of the greatest examples in all of the scripture outside of Jesus laying down his life for the sins of the world and God giving us the greatest gift ever. We see the people of God giving out of what God gave to them and there was great blessing that followed. And so today, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you that peace which surpasses all understanding. 
May you take the things that you heard today and apply it in every area of your life. The applications are endless. In your marriage, in your family, with your friends, at your job, in your school, in your community, and especially in your church. There are so many things that the Lord has in store for you if you allow him to lead you by his Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for these great examples of King David and his people, Moses and the people of Israel. As they prepared for the house of the Lord, I ask, Lord, that we would have the same spirit as those that showed up to do the work, those that contributed. I ask, Lord, that you would bless your church and your people, that we would stir one another up for good works. Lord, you've given us the example. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, you demonstrated your own love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And we remember that, Lord, this is the foundation which is laid, Jesus Christ, his example. Without you, Lord, we can do nothing. You are the vine, we are the branches. Lord, we know that we are incapable. We are insufficient of ourselves as to think of anything as being from ourselves. Our sufficiency, we acknowledge today, comes from you and you alone. And Lord, I ask that as we close, remembering, Lord, what you have given for us, as we take of the bread and as we drink of the cup, May we be reminded, may we be encouraged, may we be strengthened and healed today. I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people.